Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Monique with us today, who's a CEO, futurist, business intuitive, turnaround and development strategist, and is one of the greatest leading global experts in pinpointing precisely how to increase company profits, launch a new business, or turn around what may be stuck. In her no-nonsense style, Monique elevates you, your business project, sees and pinpoints blocks. As a futurist, she has, she has the know-how to catapult your business to the next level. Gil's laser-sharp abilities caught the eye of the Los Angeles Times, where they ran a feature article on her on the cover of the Metro section. Monique, welcome and thank you so much for being here. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Jesse, for inviting me. I love it. Thanks yeah. so much. Oh, this is this is incredible. And, and we had an opportunity to talk a little bit the other day, too, before we met today. And I was just, I was so incredibly fascinated by your breadth of information and skill set. And I thought I'd just open it up to you. What's on your heart right now to share? My goodness. You know, every day it's a different something. Um, yesterday, it's, um, and it's still with me a bit today, I really started thinking about the people that are being laid off and furloughed. I received an email from a journalist on Sunday, and I was, because I, I asked him how he was doing, I was blown away. In fact, I should read to you what he wrote. It's very short. He's in Detroit, Michigan. And he said he's held up in his house 23 hours a day. Um, He can't leave and go to the grocery store. Only he can only go every 10 days. And what's going on in Detroit? And I'm thinking about the millions and millions of people that are being laid off. And it's a moral dilemma. Do we, you know, people have got to work. You know, do the people who are losing their jobs um, and maybe have savings, maybe don't have savings, maybe a couple months of savings, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be homeless um, if they don't get back to work. And then there are you know, thousands of people who are ill if they're exposed to other people. So it's kind of a, a wealth and a health moral issue right now. And um, I, I've got some thoughts around that. I really, really do, because we're going to have a bigger problem on our hands if we've got hundreds of thousands of people out of work and unable to support their families. So that's what's on my heart today. <laughs> something very light something light no, no, no big deal just a little little tiny piece of the pie we could break off yeah yeah so that's what I've been thinking about you know that would be a really fascinating thing to dive into because you as a futurist right such a uh, as I understand it part of your expertise is really being able to go in and see the what's the expression the forest beyond the trees right or be yeah. able to see and, and if you're in the forest that path out that many people may not be able to see. And I've, I've wondered exactly that too, is we're in this dilemma right now where we're, we have people in lockdown sheltering in place to save lives. But then I also understand the mental health aspect of that, of people being laid off, people unemployed. We have like almost 20% unemployment in the US alone now. Unreal. Isolation, loneliness. You're having reports, higher reports of sexual assault, sexual abuse. So all these, uh, more people are responding in, talking about body image issues, you know, all these types of things that are contributing causes to mental health challenges, maybe suicide down the road. So for folks like this, when we're in this like mental, emotional, 
and they may not be able to see the way out, where do they start to look? You know, I, I just feel that it's, um, I, I feel very strongly about this. I, I, I really think if you look at the, the statistics and the numbers, numerically, are we doing something that's going to be a short-term fix to a problem that um, that's going to be a huger problem later? And um, I, I just, I don't know. I think my neighbor is using the sign. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it or not. Sorry about that. But um, I, um, I, uh, I'm just seeing that we've got about six weeks, six weeks before all hell is going to break loose, actually. The people that are going to be out of work are going to be furious. And, um, and why should they pay for, if they're healthy and they're fine and they don't have this virus, for the people that are not healthy or haven't taken care of themselves or haven't done certain things. Um, or I know that there are people that are very vulnerable to this because they're elderly and things like that. And I understand that. Um, but can those people stay at home? Can those people isolate? Why does the entire country, um, I, I'm, I'm very concerned about what's to come if this doesn't change drastically. It, it'll be a, a, a way bigger problem on our hands, like way bigger problem on our hands if we don't change this. I've been reading some of the economic reports and companies that are, have been staples for a long time are reporting earnings down. A lot of the earnings reports are coming out this week and reports are, I read something the other day that, gosh, I think it was, they were saying Disneyland. So Disney, they were saying Disneyland is expected to report something like a 90% decrease in revenue for the parks from same period last year. And that, early projections are it could be 2022 before they recoup that. And then that's also a company that's been around forever, but then they have a huge portion of the revenue comes from movies. Well, all movie production shut down right now. And then they have, so they have their streaming service, but some of these big revenue sources are, are, are shut down, locked. Companies are bleeding through reserves very fast. Mm-hmm. For companies who are going to need to come in and, and turn around, figure out where to get the profits, where do they need to start looking when they are able to start getting back to business? They're going to have to get a bailout. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the only way. I mean, Wall Street got a bailout 2008, um, and they're going to have to get some of the, you know, the bigger, bigger companies that have been around for, uh, ever that have had deep pockets and that are conglomerates, they may not. I, you know, they're going to need help. Everybody's going to need help. If this goes on for a long period of time, they're going to definitely need help. It, it's, I'm very concerned that this is going to cause a way bigger problem. Um, a friend of mine texted me yesterday and she was kind of upset with me, you know, and uh, she's bringing in political stuff. I said, this is not about politics right now. This is about the numbers. This is about people who have families who need to feed their families, who are healthy and, um, and can work. And why are they being, you know, it, why, why can't it go the other way around where the people that are not healthy and the people that need to stay home, that those are the people that stay home and are careful. And we all still, I'm not saying we don't wear masks, we don't wear gloves. I mean, if we have to wear a hazmat, whatever it is, but get people back to work so they can feed their families. Uh, it just, yeah. So how does, how does a modern business 
how are they going to to balance health considerations? And I want to preface this by saying I I saw something, I think it was in the LA Times, and this piggybacked off of a study I think Stanford had done and released the results of last week. So Stanford had done a small sampling of maybe 3,100 people in the immediate area, like the Silicon Valley area. And they were saying that the small data pool they had suggested that maybe 50 to 85 times more people had been infected already, which would reduce the mortality rate of it down dramatically. That more of us have actually had it than we think and that we have a stronger immunity and we may be close to herd immunity as we think. And then the study I saw in the LA Times seemed to echo that where they were saying in LA, I don't know how many thousands of people who have been tested and reported as being affected they're saying that that number could be in the four to six hundred thousands, I think is the number. I'm not quoting that as an exact quote, but something like that. And again, echoing the same concept that maybe that it's 50 to 85 times more people than we think have actually been affected, which would reduce the mortality rate from 4% to down to like 0.9% or something like that, which isn't to make small that. What it is to say, though, is so there's going to be more information coming out about the disease. How, how bad is it? How not bad is it? And there's going to probably be more restrictions on health, especially in the interim for businesses as they go back. How does, how does a business even begin to negotiate those new health restrictions that are being imposed on them as they go to back to business as normal? And is there even a business as normal in the immediate future? So what I think what the grocery stores are doing is brilliant. You know, they have um, lines, they have separation of space. They, they are really a, a wonderful template for companies now <clears throat> to get back to work. Um, there's no reason why they can't have shifts of employees working starting now. So I think it's to start the integration of that and the protocol and the experience and people getting used to it. As opposed to having it all at once, you know, oh, we're back to work now. And how are we going to handle this? Grocery stores have been an amazing, I, I was talking to somebody at Trader Joe's yesterday and asking him how he was. And he said, we're exhausted, you know, but uh, we're happy. We're working and we're here and we're all, he had his mask on and his gloves and we're and everybody, you know, there were a lot, you know, separation in the lines uh, in and outside of Trader Joe's. And I feel that, um, if we prepare now and start integrating now, we won't be bombarded later and figuring and scrambling. And because you can statistically measure things if you do it in increments um, and bringing people into the companies now, seeing how they're doing, you know, seeing what's going on. If two weeks from now, if, if something changes health wise for people, if they are social distancing and following all the proper protocols, um, I think statistically it's better to start integration now so that. Once we are back to work again, you know, work is normal. Um, I, I don't think it would, it's better to start now. Definitely, for sure. You know, and it's interesting too, there's, there's a lot of validity to this, this staggered approach, right? The resistance is, well, how is everybody going to get in? But the airlines did a study, I think it came out two, three years ago, and it showed that it's actually more time efficient to deboard a plane if you have the entire aisle on both sides go first then the entire middle, then the entire uh, window seats exit. And it's, it's something like 13% faster to deplane that way, more efficient. Of course, then you're working with human behavior where everybody thinks, oh my God, my time's more important than everybody else's. I got to get out there. So right. it's interesting introducing this idea of right, prepping them and integrating for this new normal and the staggered approach to that mm -hmm. for 
companies who may not be in a position like a Trader Joe's where they're already open or they're deemed, I think, what's the term essential, and they're still waiting to the go-ahead, how can leadership start to prepare their teams for what that new normal would be, for what that integration piece will look like? So, you know, there's so many different facets to that. Um, um, are you talking about managerially? Are you talking about with the customers? Are you, which area are you speaking at specifically? Yeah, um, I, would how think, I would think managerially at first with the people, because ultimately whoever is going to be on the front line executing whatever that new piece is, and then I guess prepping them in anticipation to be able to re-engage with the customers, clients they serve. In companies that are not doing that now. Yeah, in companies that are not okay. doing that. So I feel, this is a silly example, but this is an example. I remember when this all came down and we all stayed at home. This is when everybody initially ran to the store, bought the stores out, and um, we are all in lockdown. We we're all so afraid. And um, I went to the car wash uh, like a couple of days later because I was like, I think I can go out and go wash my car. So I went to the car wash. And when I got there, I was like, oh my God. I'm at the car wash. I'm washing my car because it's a drive-through, and you you can you know dry it out and uh, you vacuum it out. Um, and I looked at the people around me and I said, "You guys, we're living normally. This is fantastic. Isn't this great? We're washing our cars." And the one guy was like, "Yes, we're here. We're washing your car. I'm so excited." I said, "I'd give you a hug if I could." He goes, "I'd hug you too." You guys, I go, "We won't do that now, but you know." And we were all happy to just be together and be doing something normal, you know, and it's the same for Starbucks every day, you know, yeah. it's like they're so glad I'm there and I'm so glad to see them and they're glad to see me and they're, you know, it's just, and I think that that's going to be it. That we're going to be so excited to be back to something that's normal and, you know, that, that we're used to doing. And I think that, that, um, I would feel that that, uh, integration and that communication with others and being around others and feeling like you're a part of society and the world and things are moving forward and there's hope where mm -hmm. there's hope there's everything and i um i would hope that the leaders would um i would i would naturally think that people would be happy to be back and in, in doing this um but i hope that the leaders do instill a sense of hope that things are moving forward and and um and just, it becomes infectious. I mean, when I was at the car wash, it was just so, oh, it would just, it just felt so good, you know? And, um, you know, yeah. I think- I hear a lot of, line. I feel like the word I keep seeing coming up in every conversation with any sort of business owner or business person who's working with business owners, business leaders, is the need to pivot right now. It's, yes. Yeah, I hear pivot, pivot, and I, I don't know if you ever saw this scene in Friends, but I keep hearing Ross in the, in the scene with Friends going, pivot, pivot, and it's this really funny scene. But right, right. I, I wonder, where, where do you see business owners needing to pivot right now? And is it an area that they may not have needed to pivot before? So this is a great question. I just wrote a newsletter on this. Um, I was sick for 15 years. And I was allergic to something that I could not see that happened to make me violently ill. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was constantly pivoting every day because I had to know my environment. I had to know if I was going to be exposed to this toxic mold. 
Was I going to be sick, not sick? I had to be very, very, very aware and very conscious of my being, my environment, my presence, my interaction, um, and um, you know what I ate, um, who I spoke to. I'm getting enough sleep. Um, really, I, I think the pivoting starts with this self-care being extremely present to the moment, mm -hmm. what you're doing, what's happening, as opposed to going without and thinking, I've got to pivot and it's got to be big and it's going to be out. I've got to figure out what to do and how to change this situation right now and catapult my business to the next level. And you're thinking it's going to be an outside thing that's going to help you pivot. I'm going to say it's going to be an inside job to pivot. Mm. Um, I had to live this for 15 years. I was sick 10 days out of every month for 15 years. I'm no longer there. But I know what it is to have a, a, an intense reaction to something I cannot see, get violently ill, and I never knew when it was going to hit over and over and over again. And, um, and so it, it caused me to become very conscious, very aware, um, very in my body, very present. And, and that's where I got the inner guidance. That's the only way I survived what I went through for as long as I did. Um, most people come out with brain damage or whatever, uh, being exposed to the type of mold I was exposed to. And I was uh, very, very conscious and very present and in the moment and listening to my internal guidance. And that's how people need to pivot is internally right now. And that's where you're going to get your answers. Absolutely. I can say that I have experience in this in droves. Uh, this is an area I really, it's a wonderful question. And it starts within. Do you feel, how equipped do you feel that the average business leader entrepreneur is to go within? And I ask that because I feel like it's really interesting the the paradigm we're in right now where American ideals for so long have been there it seems like we espouse about things like drive, grind, you know, push yourself, succeed. Oh, how many hours did you work? You worked eight, I'm gonna work 18, those kinds of things. And it seems like so much of that is so in here, right? And so I wonder like how, how equipped do you feel that the average leader business owner is to go within? And what would that, what might that process look like for them? Right. Um, well, the average business leader, I mean, I, I get to work with people I would consider when you say average, do you mean with the number of people they are leading or the type of company? What do you mean by average exactly? Because yeah, I guess that's a good consciousness. Yeah, let me clarify that. Mm -hmm. I think when I said it initially, I didn't have a specific definition. So when I would consider the average person, the average business leader, as I define it now for you, for this question, it's that person who I just described who is who's more cerebral in the sense of it's, it's about the grind. It's about the, the PNL. It's about the, the, you know, pushing themselves harder and harder in that, the Americanized version of what success means. And maybe, maybe they're still quantifying in some way success as a material gain you know, maybe that's a, a thing for them. Not to say that's a bad thing at all. I no, think, no. I think that it's, but maybe if that's the primary driver for them, it, there's not the emotional piece yet for them. Is that, yeah. is that helpful? 
Yeah, it is. Um, so I have worked with those people when I when I work with global leaders, um, whether it's in El Salvador, fourth generation coffee growers, to the media consultants um, uh, for Hillary, Hillary during the presidential election. There are 10 areas that I establish with everybody because it's about balance, um, mentally, physically, spiritually, career, financially, fun, education, material, relationship, and contribution. And how can we um, bring balance to those areas? Because the bottom line is, is mental is always the first category because mentally, when your thoughts are in the present moment and also you're contemplating a future reality that you have yet to experience, that's where the excitement is. That's mm. where it's like when you're a kid and you're, you know, you have a crush on a boy or a girl and you can't wait to see them. It's like you're so in the moment, but you're contemplating that future and you're so excited about it. And I feel that when we are that way in all 10 areas things people experiences situations begin to line up i mean it's amazing because we're so excited you know it's just so exciting if a person is just about putting in the hours and this grind and um and not having balance in other areas it's not going to work right now it's just not you're not I feel very strongly that one is not going to get answers that are of a high, higher consciousness um, and a, a greater level of thinking um, that's going to catapult your business to another level by jumping timeline. You won't have to put in those hours that, because this is a situation where we've never, none of us have ever been here before, so to speak. And, um, there's no way that you can predict what to do from the outside world right now. But how you can predict is by that feeling inside that you're so excited about the possibilities of what you're creating and, and staying in that vein, even though it may seem cuckoo. And so I always push the envelope with my clients um, in that way. Um, it, it's, it's so important. So um the level of consciousness is going to is going to rise it's going to have to in order to connect in for the greater good of yourself that's going to be the most exciting thing you could do does that answer your question yeah what came up for me as you were saying that too is is it's almost like inviting people to have a new beginning because in the beginning when it's so exciting and it's creative whether it's a relationship or it's a business it is it's when we it, work doesn't seem like work. It just seems like a, a, the most pleasurable thing. We're excited because we're so focused in the present about the future we created. And then it's almost like inviting them to go back and remember that time when they're in that space of creation and it was this passion project or whatever it was. But, it, but pivoting strategically to expand in mm -hmm. the new normal. And if you can find that which is, is such a beautiful reference point because all of us have that North star inside of us and we just may have to dust it off a little bit right now. 
maybe very dusty. <laughs> it yeah. takes a lot of dusting, <laughs> you know, especially if you're a type A personality who's used to uh, putting in the work in the man hours, you know, and, and I, you know, like you said, I've worked 18 hours today and I only get six and a half hours of sleep and, um, oh yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's going to, might be a little dusty there, but it'll be the best dust you've ever blown away mm. for sure. But a lot of people don't know how to hear how their inside selves are guiding them and really tap into that and trust it because yes. it's, that's, it's, a, it's the trusting that really comes in. Like really my intuitive voice is going to guide me. And uh, I'm going to say, absolutely. I grew up in an environment. I have an inherited ability from my dad and my grandmother. I didn't know it. I had no clue until I was 28 years old and ended up on the metro section of the LA Times and they called me the bubbly Sherlock Holmes and um and <laughs> that wild yeah. I know and it, and it ends up kind of being true but um I um as a kid I had to know who the good guys were from the bad guys and I had to figure out situations and I and I had zero zero adult guidance and I I I had to hear my inside self I had to listen in order to be safe and um it is, we all have it. I just had a boot camp school training of it as a child. And, um, but tapping into that inside self, the creativity and the, um, the creation of what's kind of come out of that is going to be way greater. How do you think Tesla and Einstein and, and Musk and all these people have created what they create? They spend a lot of time in contemplation. Yeah. Um, Einstein yeah. spent, spent tons and Tesla spent tons of time alone and, and downloading um and uh, for me i journal a lot i get a lot of information from my journaling and get guidance in that way but i'm i'm constantly either meditating or journaling or um little literally hearing and i'm also very action oriented but i i have to i always say okay i'm, I'm going to meditate right now i need to get my marching orders because i know i'll march but i want to be marching in a way that's productive and feels great it feels good i'm excited about it so I heard you say, would those be would those be safe to assume that those would be actual skill sets that we could practice to develop trusting in that intuitive voice? Things like journaling, meditating, spending alone time, quiet time with ourselves. What else might we do? So, um, okay, uh, journaling, meditation are are absolutely huge for me. I have to do that every day, um, and. Um, a lot of people get guidance through dreams. Um, some people get signs, like actual signs in the universe. Like they're thinking, God, should I go left or go right? Um, and they'll, you know, there'll be a truck going by with a big arrow, you know, pointing in a different direction. Um, and um, I think um, also too, um, just feeling like what, is the most exciting thing and it's an inner knowing it's a tug it's like you feel a tug to do something um yeah those are some areas that's journaling meditation now are really important they're two totally different ways to tap in but and i think also to identifying how does your intuition speak to you um, does it speak to you? Like I get blocks of information. I have a film that will run in my mind sometimes and I see these flashes and pictures, um, or I'm just able to tap into a part of my brain that allows me to know information and I pay attention to it. I don't ignore it. 
I don't ignore that first hunch. Um, so things like that. We only have a little bit of time left, Monique, so I'll ask you one more question. Sure. We started this off about asking what's on your heart to share. And as someone who's worked and done these incredible things with different businesses around the world, I'm wondering if this time, has it, has it invited an opportunity or an insight perhaps for you and how you may pivot on what you do or how do you see your business evolving during this time and after and how you're serving the people that you serve? Yes. So I feel so blessed because as I mentioned, I was really ill for a long time and that you, you can substitute that for there are people who are in bad marriages. There are people who are hemorrhaging cash, you know, uh, it could be whatever romance, finance, whatever it is. Mine happened to be uh, health for quite a while. And, um, and I was, I've been recovered now for a little over a year and year and a half and everything that I have wanted to do that I didn't get a chance to do because I wasn't feeling well and keeping my business, I'm getting the chance to do all those things now. And I'm so excited about it. And I have, I've been, I have content for years mm. that I've developed and now with this new technology and all these new things that weren't around at that time when I launched my business in 2000, um, it's so exciting. I feel like, oh my gosh, like I can really, I love helping people get on track in their business and career lives. I love helping people and kids, young kids, identify how their inside selves are guiding them. And, um, and I have all the, the tools and the, I've got every, I've got it all and uh, learning how to, and working with people that are helping me put it into platforms so that I can get it out there. And um, I, I feel like um, our mutual friend, Pam, the other day said to me, she would, she goes, you were set up for this time of life right now with wow. all that you've been through and you have been set up and you get it. Like you get it on so many different levels. And I do, I really do. And so I'm really excited because I, I am set up and I am prepared and I've got the content and and I have a track record to do what I do. And I want to help as many people as I can all over the world. And um, just to trust that it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. It may, it's going to be different, but so what? So we're going to be more in nature or we'll have to downsize where we live or, or change or really um, we're going to go through some times that are going to be very scary. If I, if I told you when I went through over those 15 years, especially initially, unbelievable where I ended up and um, I mean I lost it all I had it all <clears throat> and I lost it all and then some and I had to keep going and there's nobody else and so um, it can really be the greatest awakening consciously of one's entire life hmm. I mean, that was incredible everyone you're gonna want to rewatch and take notes I, I just, gosh, what a beautiful way to put a bow on this whole thing about calling to attention that this time could be the greatest awakening, the greatest awareness of your life. And that, you know, really it's where we're pushed that we can ultimately build and find some of our greatest assets or greatest strengths, whether it's going back and looking through those 10 areas that Monique laid out for us, or it's, it's asking yourself those way to pivot and really going within. I thought that was so incredible to call that to attention for leaders in business to just really take this time to go within and, and ask yourself to, to consider getting that childlike excitement again, you know, refining that passion, refining that purpose, maybe even 
the thing that got you started before. And if you're watching this and you're not necessarily in a business, you could swap out business for relationship, for health. The, I found that many of these skill sets, these tools are interchangeable across different facets of life. And as Monique said earlier, when we're looking at creating balance, all of those areas play a unique role in really what makes up the substance and quality of one's life. I think there's so much wisdom here for everyone to take away and to really look at and, and ask yourself, you know, perhaps what am I going to create during this time? What am I going to create during this time? And, and set your intention there and, and also embrace that everything that you've done before has prepared you for right now. And right now could become your greatest awakening that will be the foundation for this next chapter of your life as you move forward. Monique, this is absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your magic, your gifts, your time with us today. This has been such a blessing, as are you. Yes, thank you for the theme. I love it. And I'm excited to see what's going to happen for you with all that you've created here with your new show. I think it's fantastic. Thank, thank you, you for having me as the guest. Absolutely. We'll see you next time, everybody, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to podcasts.